Hi everyone. Today I'm going to talk about our third core value, which is kindness. Two weeks ago, Sarah talked about passion and um, a week ago, my wife, Steph, she shared about freedom. Today is about the third core value of kindness. And I think, um, personally, I find this perhaps the most challenging of the three. Maybe because I'm a bit of a thinker and I overthink things and I overcomplicate things, but just take my ability or inability to give gifts. I've said this before in messages before, I'm not a great gift giver. I, I peaked too early with my wife, Steph, on the first Christmas that we were together as a couple and we both got each of the Kindles. So I unwrapped my Kindle at the same time she unwrapped her Kindle. It was it was so annoying because I had no idea she was getting the same gift and she had no idea I was getting the same gift. So ever since then, I fear that when I give somebody a gift, I fear somebody else has gotten the gift anyway, or maybe they've already got what I've given to them anyway, or maybe they just simply won't like what I've given to them. So I find and I struggle with this area of kindness because I fear that maybe they just simply don't want what I'm going to give them. Same with words. I'm not always great with words. And when Steph announced that she was pregnant with Abigail, I gave her two words. Well done. And it I don't know whether it was my tone or intonation or what it was, but she did not consider that to be kind. So how about acts? Maybe acts is where I excel in terms of kindness. Um, like our senior pastor Paul, I am responsible in our house for taking the bins out. And um, we've been in our home for about six years and we live next door to an elderly lady. She's in her 80s and um, she lives alone. So I thought, as a 30-something gentleman, I could be kind and take her bin in and out when I do my own. Now, I struggled with this because I found that every single week, not only did she beat me to it by getting her bin in, she would also beat me to it by getting my bin in. She was trying to out-kind me. She was outsmarting me. She was always two seconds after the bin men had left. Seven in the morning, she was out there, whether it be slippery ice, whether it be snow, whether it be torrential rain, whatever the weather, she was there. And she was, in some ways, frustrating my ability to be kindness because I wanted to do something kind for her. And she was just simply being kind to me. And it suddenly occurred to me, I shouldn't stop her and um, prevent her from being kind because she wants to do something kind for us. I shouldn't stop her from doing that. There's plenty of other things that I can do and we can do to be kind to her, but there's limited things that she could do. That was the one thing she felt she could do. So I felt it was kinder to just simply, and six years later, she's still doing it every single week. She does um, the same thing. Kindness is complicated. Sometimes people misinterpret our kindness and they think, what's he want? Or what's his agenda? Sometimes um, we've got to be cruel to be kind. So something that isn't or doesn't look on the outside to be a kind gesture or act or word is the kindest thing that we can do for somebody or flip it the other way. Sometimes something that looks kind in, in a certain situation is actually very unkind. Take, for example, a kind gesture of giving a homeless person some money. But maybe that person is addicted to drugs and they get, you know, it's it's very unkind for them to receive that as a kind gesture. So sometimes kind things aren't always the kindest thing to do. So maybe you agree with me a little bit that kindness is complicated. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. Get that into your head. So if we struggle with kindness and loving one another, you can guarantee that Jesus felt our pain. He understands. He maybe even himself struggled 
to be kind. He was always kind. But I imagine he had to do some things to ensure that he was, because if he was human, he probably had times when he struggled to be kind. He wasn't always nice. There's a difference between niceness and kindness. Some of the things he said to the Pharisees may not have seemed nice, but they were probably kind because they needed to hear it. So this message is for those who struggle with kindness, but anybody who isn't struggling with kindness, this hopefully is a nice simple reminder of how good you are at doing what you do. The message is titled, How to Be Kind. Nice and simple today. And we're spending all of our time in John chapter four, which is a chapter many of you are probably familiar with, the woman at the well. So let's read verse one to four of John four. It says this, Jesus knew the Pharisees. <laughs> he did. He knew the people, the religious people. He knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptising and making more disciples than John. In brackets, though, Jesus himself didn't baptise them. His disciples did. So they were already criticising him for things he'd not done himself. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. The key sentence, verse 4, he had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. Now if you know anything about the history and the context, he didn't have to go through Samaria. Every other Jew that went before him, every other man, um, you know, Jew or, or female Jew would go around Samaria. They would take a six day walk as opposed to a three day walk. They would not go through Samaria. But Jesus knew he had a purpose. He had an opportunity ahead to be kind. So Jesus was on his way from the south, Judea, which is the Roman way of saying Judah, which you might be more familiar with. And he's on his way to the north, Galilee. And Samaria is in the middle. As I said before, Jews would always go around because of this conflict, this hatred, this almost racism between um, Jews and Samaritans. They hated each other because of the history, um, the, the, the northern part that later Galilee had been invaded by Assyria and they'd intermarried with other nations and the you know Gentiles, which is non-Jews, the word for non-Jews, they'd intermarried and, and um, they'd had babies and, and kind of the Jewishness had been kind of almost been completely wiped away. Whereas um, the other part, the southern region, Judah or Judea, um, that had been later on invaded by Babylon. They'd been exiled to Babylon, but they'd not been forced to intermarry. So they were, you know, a pure race in, in, in many ways. They, they'd not married other people, so they were still very much Jewish. So they hated each other um, for this sort of reason. One, one um, hated the other because they were impure. The other hated the others because they were like these elitists. They were like perfect. And so they, they conflicted. They did not like each other at all. So Jesus, how can we learn to be kind? Number one is walk in other people's shoes. He went through Samaria. What must that have been like? Would he have been spat on? Would he have been tutted at? Would he have been, I don't know, mocked or abused or whatever? He, had, he I don't imagine it was a pleasant experience for, to walk through an area where they would never go before. But I think Jesus saw what they saw. He heard what they heard. He felt what they felt. The key, I think, to understanding and to being kind is understanding and feeling what other people feel. It's empathy. It's sharing other people's 
feelings. I think as Christians particularly, we need to educate ourselves about other cultures, about even other religions, about um, other types of personality and, and other um, races and, and all sorts of other things. We need to kind of familiarise ourselves with other people and put ourselves in their shoes. Take um, different people's illnesses. I um, Sometimes we don't understand what people feel and what they go through. I was watching a documentary on iPlayer. I highly rec recommend you watch this. It's about a rugby or a former rugby league player. I'm not into rugby at all. Um, this guy called Rob Burrow played for Leeds Rhinos until he ended up getting motor neurons disease, which is a, just a horrendous um, condition to have. How it, how it sort of the, the person sort of goes downhill quite fast, and this documentary is about that kind of transition from rugby to sort of being completely dependent upon his family and upon the medical profession. And it's it's a tearjerker to the max. And it whilst watching it, I felt what he was going through. Maybe on a small scale, because I'm not there. But I felt what he feels. And I felt what his family were feeling. And it just brought me to tears. And I think it's important to kind of expose ourselves to what other people go through, to understand their perspective. Ask them. Ask yourself, next time somebody's angry at you or they react or they cut you up or they, they say something horrible to you, ask yourself, why, why did they say that? Why did they do that? There must be a reason behind it. Maybe the next person that shows you road rage, maybe what I tend to do, I imagine scenarios. So somebody cuts me up or if somebody does something horrible to me on the road, I imagine, okay, they're in a rush because they're going to A&E or they're in a rush because there's a pregnant woman on the back seat and she's about to give birth. Okay, I'll, let, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Or maybe in the supermarket or wherever you might be and somebody says something that is not right or horrible. Just think, okay, what are they actually going through? Maybe they're going through some tough time at home or they're going, you know, this lockdown has really affected their anxiety. And the, You may not know the reason, but what I do, I just make up a reason for them and just think, you know what, I'll excuse them for their actions because they're going through something they're going through their own Samaria Jesus went through what must they be going through ask yourself those sort of questions and sometimes it's easier to be kind to those that we don't know who are far from us but the hardest people to be kind to our family those closest to us on social media I'll name this person Joy Oaks shout out to Joy she shared something a few months ago and it's probably gone around social media you've probably seen it from other people sharing and um, it, it was a picture of a burnt piece of toast and it came with this little story and I'll read it to you. This impacted me more than anything recently. Incredibly, um, it's something that stays with me. I'll read it to you. It says this. One evening, my mother made dinner after a hard day's work. She put a plate of eggs, salad and burnt toast in front of my father. I immediately noticed the burnt toast and I was waiting to see if he was going to complain about it. But my father started to eat them, smiling and asked me how I spent my day at school. My mum apologised to my dad for the burnt toast. I will never forget his response to her. Honey, I love burnt toast. Later, when I went to bed and my dad came over to kiss me goodnight, I asked him if he really liked the burnt toast. He hugged me and said, your mother has had a difficult day and she is really tired. She went out of her way to prepare this meal for us. Why blame her and hurt her? Burnt toast never hurt anyone. 
but words can be very painful. I like to, and I'm not great at it, but try to recall the memory of this story any time that I feel like complaining about something, particularly to Steph, my wife, or particularly about my own um, situation, the simple things. And um, this story is so simple and we can use our words to really tear somebody down and be unkind. Um, and what this, this, this mother did was went out of her way for her husband. We can do the same. Let's dive back in to John 4 and we'll pick up at verse 5. So um, we'll read verse 6 as well. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired. There's that word. Jesus tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Are you serious? The son of God, God himself in human flesh, was tired and weary. If Jesus is tired and can get tired, so can we. So that could have been an obstacle to Jesus's kindness. He could have been grumpy when this woman approaches him. He could have told his disciples off. You, you know, you sort of think, well, where were the disciples? Later on, it says that they went to buy food. Maybe he'd had so much, he'd had it up to here with the disciples asking questions and nagging him and annoying him. He just sent them off and said, you know what? I need some time alone. So the first thing that you can do, how to be kind, is walk in someone else's shoes. Feel what they feel, see what they see understand and educate yourself and experience what they are going through. Second thing that you can do actually starts with you. In order to be kind, the second thing is be kind to yourself. Jesus was tired and weary. He was just like us. He was fully human. Why was he tired? Maybe it was the Pharisees and the religious people just keeping on going after him. It says in the um, the New King James Version of verse 4 of this same passage, it says he needed to go through Samaria. He needed to take this three-day journey instead of this six-day journey because he knew that there was an opportunity to meet this woman. He knew ahead of time what was ahead. He'd already prepared himself. In fact, he had been tired, but he took a moment to be still. He took a moment to sit down. He took a moment to rest. We need to be kind to ourselves so that we can be in a position to be kind to others. How can you do that? You can spend time with God alone, sit with him by the well. You can allow him to refresh you and be kind to you and show um, unconditional love to you. There's nothing like the love of Jesus and the kindness of Jesus to prepare you to then go and be kind to somebody else. So many of us, myself included, we'll go to other wells. We won't go to Jesus. We'll go to chocolate. We'll go to a Netflix binge. We'll go to a gossip, a natter with our mates. We'll, we'll, we'll have a gossip with friends. We'll go to the internet. We'll Google it. <laughs> we'll go to our habits or our addictions before we go to the well of Jesus. But those things will cause us and, and, and ensure that we, we stay thirsty. They might help us for a short period of time, but they won't sustain us. Whereas Jesus is offering us living water that never runs out will never be thirsty so allow him to refresh you so that you can then go on and refresh others Jesus knew he was tired 
He knew he was tired, but he also knew that he needed to be ready to be kind. We need to prepare ourselves to be kind because there could be a moment to be kind or an opportunity right around the corner, even after our most tiring day, even if, after our most stressful moment. It could be right around the corner. Let's read on verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. So the conversation goes on. They talk a lot about um, water, Jesus being the living water. They talk about um, sort of theology and, and they get onto a subject which Jesus brings something up in verse 16, which almost sounds unkind. It sounds brutal that Jesus would say what he says when they're having this sort of theological conversation. Verse 16, it says, he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. It almost sounds brutal. It almost sounds unkind. But Jesus is going somewhere with this. You know, in fact, just take how we approach this passage. We often judge this woman as somebody who, you know, is immoral. But in the context, in, it, it was very rare and uncommon for somebody to have five husbands and to be married five times and to be not living with somebody that they're married. It, it wasn't, you know, a common thing. And we often blame the woman, but nobody's blaming the men in this, in this, in these um, marriages. Nobody's. What did they do? What could they have done? What did she do? We don't actually know the details, but we immediately, so many of us blame her and think she's the one in the wrong and we don't actually know what we can be sure of is that she she probably had it tough as a result of kind of this you know her relationship choices the whole village would have known about it she would have had a terrible reputation it wasn't easy so Jesus is coming at her from a place of kindness not from a place of condemnation and to pick her and to point out her fault but he's coming at it to say you know what there's been six men in your life I'm number seven, and you, if you, if you um, get to know me, if you drink from this well, you'll never be thirsty again. You'll never need anybody else. You'll never need another man. You'll never need anything else. You'll never need to go to any other well. Just come to me. Wow. And I will give you rest from all of the baggage that you now carry. Wow, what kindness. In verse 25, the woman said, I know that. Messiah, in brackets called Christ, is coming. She knows her stuff, she knows her religion. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus says something, you know, that he doesn't say to anyone. He hardly ever says this to his disciples. He definitely never says this to religious people and Pharisees. He definitely never, he didn't say this when pe people were persecuting him and whipping him and, and um, torturing him ready in preparation for the cross he stayed silent in those moments he stayed silent when, when people ask him direct questions are you the messiah are you the one to come he often didn't say as directly as this in verse 26 jesus declared i the one speaking to you i am he i am the messiah i am the one man that you have been waiting for i am he he said this to a woman. Jesus was, in history, was one of the first men to be kind and to consider women. Women were degraded in society. They were not considered equal with men. Jesus did the most amazing thing and he said the most amazing 
thing to a woman, a Samaritan, an enemy, somebody who he should have been hating. And somebody who had a terrible past and a terrible reputation. Jesus shows some ultimate kindness. Wow. And we go on in verse 27 to 31. Then, just then, so after all this has happened, (laughs) this amazing encounter, this amazing situation, just then his disciples returned because they've been to the shops (laughs) and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? No one asked about her. No one asked to understand her story. Nobody walked in her shoes and de- and had a desire to understand her. And to to they just ignored that she was almost even there. They didn't ask questions to understand and walk in her shoes. Verse 28. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come. See, a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And amazingly, as a result, the whole village, in verse 30, they came out of the town and made their way toward him. And while that's happening, while revival's breaking out, while many people are coming to Jesus, meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. The disciples were thinking about, you know, this has been a long journey. We're hungry. You're hungry. Let's eat. Let's have some food. Let's forget about what's going on right now. Let's not even focus on what you're dealing with right now. Let's just eat. They were more concerned about food than they were about this woman and about the the hordes of people about to come to Jesus. Verse 34, this is how Jesus responds. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have the saying, it's still this, this is a common saying that they would have said. It's still four months until harvest. So they could predict things like the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. The third thing that you can do to be kind is open your eyes. So many people, Christians included, are short-sighted. We only see what immediately affects us right now. We don't see ahead. We don't see the future. We don't see those around us. We don't see the needs of people. And we don't always consider other people. We just, more often than not, consider ourselves. What Jesus is asking us to do in order to be kind is we need to find ways to open up our spiritual eyes, our spiritual short-sightedness. How can you do that? Well, the best place is sat at the well with Jesus. Spend time with God. It's ask God to show you someone to be kind to today. Every day, just say a simple prayer. God, show me someone to be kind to today. Maybe the next time you go out because you're a potential victim um, in your car of somebody else's road rage or somebody else's bad driving. The next time you go to the supermarket, you're a potential victim of somebody else's grumpiness or somebody else's harsh words. Before you do those things, before you you get into that car, before you start that engine, before you get out your shopping bag, take a moment to sit with Jesus and prepare yourself for what is around the corner, a potential opportunity to be kind to somebody who might not be kind to you. The next time you prepare yourself to go onto social media, just take a second before you click and swipe and like and do all those things and and get angry by what other people think and what other people are saying and and, you you want to react. Before you do that, Take a moment to sit and allow 
God to open up your eyes to what is going on around you. Maybe you could read some books about people you don't know, people you are, who are very much different to you. Maybe watch TV documentaries about people you don't like or watch films that, about people that make you cry about their stories so that you can feel what they feel. You can, to some level, go and walk in their shoes. Pray for people. That's one way in which you can open your eyes. Pray for people near your, your loved ones. Pray for, pe for people far in other countries. Pray for people um, who you don't like. Pray for your enemies. Pray for people who, who you struggle to be kind to. Maybe even right now you could set yourself a reminder to, to text somebody who needs some kindness right now. Somebody who's going through some, through some tough times right now. Somebody who's in need right now. Maybe you can take a moment after this message, after this service, to text them, get in touch and be kind to them. What's great is the final verse that I'm going to read to you, and this is where I'm going to conclude. In verse 39, it says this, after all of this has happened, after... The disciples have had their food and, you know, all is said and done. And, the, you know, this woman has told the village and the village have come to Jesus. What's amazing, verse 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Wow. Because of the kindness of Jesus to this woman and her kindness towards them, brought them to Jesus and they became Christians, they became followers of Jesus. Jesus was tired and weary so he could meet with this woman. Jesus was tired and weary so he could sit with you. Jesus on the cross was tired, weary, battered and broken so you could have life. Wow. Jesus walked the road that nobody else was prepared to walk on so that he could meet you. He went to the cross and did what nobody else could do for you. That is the most wonderful kindness. I want to pray and I want to pray particularly for somebody who, who isn't a Christian. As it says there, many believed, many Samaritans, many people who weren't Christian, who weren't religious, who weren't followers of Jesus, became followers of Jesus. You might be watching and thinking, I've got no religious background I've got no Christianity background I don't know much about Jesus I know very little about theology but I want to know Jesus I'm going to say a simple prayer a few sentences nice and slowly and you can in your heart or actually if you're on your own you might feel comfortable to say them out loud and respond to Jesus and on church online if you're watching live there's a button you can raise a hand and respond if you're not watching live you can go to YouTube and Facebook and there are links in the description to respond but let me pray before we finish today's message thank you Jesus that you came to earth and you died for me thank you not only did you die but you came back to life to give me life today I want to sit and meet with you Jesus today I want to become follower and believe in you Jesus amen so if you've said that simple prayer somebody else can help maybe add a little bit of meat to the bones and respond with you there are links in the description you can you can follow that up and somebody will email you or you can respond on church online right now thanks for listening let's be kind to one another let's walk in uh, their shoes for a moment 
let's be kind to ourselves, prepare ourselves for a moment to be kind to somebody else. And then let's also open our eyes. Thank you. See you soon.